Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. We're going to go on in our series this morning. We're talking about no turning back. And we want to talk about standing firm this morning. Pastor, Pastor Matt talked about holding steady last week and did a great job on that. And at the end, he just got a little tongue twisted and said, holding Teddy. You know, I don't know if any of you guys caught that or not. But he said, we're holding Teddy. And his kids almost started was laughing, holding back laughter because they heard dad say holding Teddy instead of holding steady. I have to say that because anytime I make a mistake, they let me know it really, really well. And so, uh, but, but no, he did a great job of that. But we want to talk about standing firm, standing firm. Now, we got to remember the audience that, uh, that uh, the writer of Hebrews was talking to. Remember, he's talking to these Hebrews, these Jewish people who have accepted Jesus Christ by faith. And now, as they've accepted him by faith and, they, and uh, they're walking with Christ, all of a sudden, persecution and different pressures begin to come up. And all of a sudden, Jesus didn't look that attractive anymore. And they thought, well, maybe the best thing for us to do is go back under Judaism, leave Christ and go back from following Christ and go back under Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is really trying to tell them that doesn't work. Once you've tasted the goodness of God, you can't go back. There's no salvation. There's no forgiveness there. And so this is, he's talking to them today about holding firm and standing firm in the belief that God has, they've been called to. So look at uh, Hebrews chapter three, verse one. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, Think carefully, now listen, it says, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. He's saying, now think carefully about this. Be careful as, you, as you've made this decision, you've, you've made a conscious decision to give your heart and your, to Christ. This word to, to uh, think carefully means to consider, to contemplate, to fix your thoughts up on this Jesus. In other words, make your decision that you're going to follow Jesus. You're not going to f- turn back. You're not going to go away, but you're going to stand firm in your faith no matter what may be happening around us. No matter how much turmoil, how much pain that you may have to suffer, hold steady. Contemplate this decision that you're making to follow Jesus. Because uh, Hebrews, another place in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. Now he says, he says here, to, you're to fix, consider, fix your thoughts upon him. And now he says, fix your eyes. In other words, when, you, when you've made this decision to follow Christ, there's no looking back. You, you've made this decision. You understand that he is your God. He's your messenger. He's a messenger from God. He's your high priest. See, the word messenger there means, actually, it's this. It means apostle. He's one who is sent from God. Jesus, and he's saying, God has sent Jesus to you. Think carefully, make this decision, and stand firm in that decision. Don't go back from it. Then he refers to him as his high priest. Now, to understand more and, and pick up kind of where we left off, if you go back over to Hebrews, and this, is not on the, this won't be on the screen, but go back to chapter 2 where Pastor Matt left off last week when he, when he finished chapter 2, but I want to start reading verse 16. He says, We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Who's that church? That's us. He came to help us, right? The descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, 
his brothers and sisters so that he could be the, the merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And so now the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, constant, fix yourself upon God. He's going to see you through. He's the apostle. He's been sent by God for, to be a high priest for you. And think about this. He says you're a high priest. He is a, he first, he's an apostle from God to us. And then he is a high priest for us before God. Jesus is a high priest today seated at the right hand of the Father. Where what? He says he intercedes for us. Isn't that what the Word of God says? That he intercedes for us. So we have Jesus, and he said, think about this person. You've made the decision. Now stand firm in that decision, and don't turn back just because you're facing troubles. Because there's a lot of times when we face trouble, we think God what? Has abandoned us, or God's not care, or God's not even anywhere around. And so we go back to old habits. And this is what the, these, these, some of these believers are doing. And remember in the first chapter, he talked about how superior Jesus was to angels. Now in Hebrews chapter, in, uh, chapter 3, he talks about Moses was good, but Jesus is greater. And think about it. That's my point. Moses is good, but Jesus is greater. Now a lot of people in the Jewish heritage, they held Moses up to be a big deal, right? I mean, he was a big deal because of who he was. He was chosen by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he did a lot of things. And some people even worshipped him and to the point of almost like he was deity. And so now the writer of Hebrews is trying to bring them, understand this, that Jesus is greater than anything else. He says, verse 2, for he was faithful, speaking to, uh, faithful to God who appointed him. That's speaking of Christ. Just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. So Moses had the leadership, but he's showing the, the, uh, the readers and the people of the Hebrew church that they, that even though Moses was great, Jesus was greater. Now look at verse 3. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds the house deserves more praise than the house itself. How many of you go to somebody's house and it's a beautifully built house? Oh, man, this is, this is such a beautiful house. I love this, love this. But we never say, who was the architect? Who was the designer? We gave all the honor to the, the, the house. And this is what some of these people, because they were going back under the law, because this was the law of Moses. And so they were going back and Jesus said, hey, listen, Moses did a great job. But listen, he just was a, was a servant in the house of God. He didn't have the house of God. He didn't own the house of God. Because look what he says in verse, uh, verse 4. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And then he says this, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant, as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truth God was revealed later. That truth was what? Was Jesus Christ that was going to be revealed. Everything in the Old Testament, if you look at it, it's types and shadows points toward Jesus Christ. And Moses was there, it was an illustration of that. Everything he did was pointing to Jesus. And so we, all, we want to see that. And now look at this as he talks about the house. Look at this. If we, this is my, my if you'll understand if we, because there's a big if in this, in this text. He says in verse 6, but Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. Jesus is in charge of God's entire house. And now look at this. And we are God's house. Who's God's house? We are. 
The ch- they are, the believers, they are God's house. Now look, here's the if. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. In other words, you are the house of God. God's, you're the house, you're there. But we have to stay firm. We have to stand firm. We can't give up. We can't look back. We can't say, I'm going to abandon the faith and go back into any type of legalism or go back under the Mosaic law. But I am the house of gut faith if I keep my courage and remain confident in hope. One person, one translation says, if you keep your faith and stand and not give up till the end, you last till the end. So if we keep our courage, this is what we're supposed to do. If we keep our confidence and hope, notice, notice this, this if. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ is a condition of being something now. How many know we are the house now? Amen? Now, to prove that you are the house, you, you last till the end. You don't give up when things get tough. And this is what, the, this is what they, they were doing. Because of the pressure, because of things, they were beginning to walk away and pull away from Christ. And he says, you, if you're going to be the house, you've got to endure to the end. You can't give up. Amen? And now see, verse 6 does not say you will become God's house if you keep courage and remain confident. It says we are God's house. We are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our faith in God. We are the house. We're not becoming the house. You are the house. Isn't that good news? That's good news for all of us. We are the house. So you think about this. So I think Hebrews 3.6 teaches if we hold fast to our confidence and the boast and our hope and affirm to the end, we show that we are the house of God. If you, if you start off and say, I'm a child of God, and all of a sudden things get rough and things begin to happen in your life, and all of a sudden you, you just fall back into the world and you leave Christ behind, it, it shows that you're truly not, you're not the house that, God, that you're supposed to be. But when you endure to the end and go through the hard times, the difficult times, and you just, you're not giving up, no matter what comes your way, no matter how tough life gets, no matter how many things come your way, you're not giving up. You're staying strong until the end, until you're, you're going to see Christ's victory through this whole thing. And if you stand strong, it proves to everybody around you that you are the house of God. Amen? It proves that you are the house of God. See, this is what defines the house of God. God's people hope in God. God's people hope in God no matter what they're going through. God's people are confident in God. They're not moved by the little things that's happening. Even though I looked around and saw everything that was happening in our nation last night, my confidence was not shaken in who God is. I know God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I know my God can speak any moment and change the circumstances in our nation. So I have confidence in God. So the, uh, God's people hope in God. God's people have confidence in God. God's people stand firm and boast in their God. They don't give up. Amen? So he's telling these people all these things. Now, stand firm. Don't give up. Understand Moses was good, but I want to tell you, Jesus is greater, and you're part of the house, and he's there, to, and he, he, he is control of the house. Amen? Now, he says, watch your heart. He, t- he brings a warning to them almost. Look at this. He moves from, uh, from talking about the house right into this whole idea in verse 7. He says, that is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his, his voice. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. He says, listen, 
Don't harden your heart. Don't allow unbelief to come in and you abandon your faith. Stand firm in your faith. Don't, keep your heart tender toward God. Keep your focus upon God. Don't become uh, uh, full of hatred and, and rebel against God, but keep your heart tender toward God. He says, they, they're your ancestors, it says in verse 9, your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Think about that. 40 years, people experienced the miracles of God, and all of a sudden, they rebelled against God almost every time. God would do a miracle for them. What would they do? They'd, re, they'd say, well, we're going back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out here, Moses, to die? And this is the thing. And he said, they saw all this for 40 years. He says in verse 10, so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. And so now he says, so in my anger, I took an oath that they would never enter my rest. The rest that he has is a rest that we can just live in. Amen. I believe you can live in the rest of God. It's a place that you can come in your relationship with God and you are confident in God. Your hope is in God and you can just live there and you don't have to be disturbed. You can live. I believe the believer can live in undisturbed peace and rest in God. I really believe that. See, the writer of Hebrews is referring back when he talks about how they hardened their heart. He was actually referring back to when the children of Israel were arguing with Moses and also testing God. This is a time in Exodus chapter 17, you, you would find the, the scripture there, that they were actually complaining because they had come into this place and they had no water. And all of a sudden they had no water. So they were complaining against Moses and saying, why did you bring us out here to die? I mean, you, all of our cattle and everything. And God said, all of a sudden, Moses went to God and says, God, what am I going to do with these people? And what did, Mo, what did God say? God said, listen, take the staff that I have given you and the staff that you, you, you put you're part of the Jordan. I want you to take that staff and the, see that rock over there. I want you to strike that rock. And he went over and he struck the rock and water gushed out. As the water gushed out, you find out that he, the one that uh, came out, the, the Massa, Massa was one of the names of the place he called it, and it means to test. And the other one, Meribah, is the place of arguing. And that's what Moses named the place, because they tested God and they argued with Moses during that time. And so, church, this is the thing. We have to guard our hearts. Amen? Don't allow your heart to become hardened. Don't allow unbelief to slip in and, and begin to pull you away. It's easy to, for that to happen sometimes when you look around and everything is happening. And maybe you're going through a difficult time and you say, man, maybe, maybe this following God's not the best thing. No, how many know God never promised you everything was going to be easy when you got saved? I mean, that's a lot of times we think that, don't we? Oh, I get saved. We tell them, oh, it's so great. You get saved, everything. Your life is going to be great. No. You're going to have troubles at times. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to stand firm. You're going to have to say, God, I don't understand all this. I don't know what's going on. But, God, I know what your word says. And I'm not going to allow my heart to get hardened over this. I'm not going to allow unbelief to come in. But, God, I'm going to stand firm in you. And I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord no matter what happens. How many's got that kind of determination? That's, the, that's what the, 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 he's trying to encourage these people to have. Then he's, the, he goes on with the warning as he talks about not hardening your heart. He says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Look at that. Turning you away from the living God. How many know the heart is very deceptive? You got to guard your heart. You got to guard your heart. Let me just say this. I, I've seen this so much as a pastor that I see people that they, they, they start listening to people 
And sometimes it's the wrong people. It's people that saying things to them that is not true, it's counter truth. It, basically it's a lie and they're being deceived and all of a sudden they start letting these people speak in their life. Next thing you know, the person who was, used to be seemed like they were so solid and so steady, they allowed something to happen in their hearts, allowed somebody to start speaking in their life and next thing you know, they've, they've moved away from the church, they've moved away from relationships, they've moved away from people who's holding them accountable because they've allowed unbelief and evil to get into their hearts and now all of a sudden they're not even in church anymore. They don't even want to talk to you about church anymore. Anymore. I've seen it happen over and over in people's lives. And it's, a, it's sad when that happens. And this is what he's trying to encourage them. Guard your heart. Be careful. Don't, don't let your heart be filled with all this unbelief and evil. Now look what he says in verse 13. You must warn each other every day. Every day while it is still today. So that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened, hardened against God. Church, I asked people all the time. I was meeting with some people just recently. I said, can I just ask you something? I said, who are you listening to? Who's speaking into your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life right now? Because the people that you allow to speak in your life will, will have a, a great impact upon your life. If you don't have people speaking truth into your life, if you don't have people encourage you to, to pull forward and stand firm and stay in the faith with God, if you don't have people telling you the right things according to the Word of God, you know what? You can be led astray very easily. It happens. And he says, he says here, be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from God. You must warn each other every day every day while it's still today, so that none will be de uh, deceived by sin and the hardening against God. Now look at the verse 14. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. What a great promise. What a great promise, amen? He says that if, if <clears throat> we're faithful to the end, trusting God, uh, excuse me, trusting God and, and as firmly as when we first believed. How many, how many remember when you first got saved? I mean, you were gung-ho for Jesus, weren't you? I mean, you, know, I mean it, you couldn't be swayed. You're going. You're there. Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, things, life happens, and maybe you're, you're not as excited about it anymore. <clears throat> I believe we should be more, uh, more excited today about our faith and our walk with God than we did when we first got saved. Amen? As we grow in our faith and grow in this. But he's, he's telling them, he said, we got to warn each other every day. He says, and look at this. Thank you, Peter. <clears throat> thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. He says, he says remember, verse, verse uh, 15, remember what I say today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. How many know God's speaking every day? How many of God speaking every moment in our life? But how many of us are listening? God says, I, I've got a rest for you. I have a place of peace for you. I have a place of, of joy for you. I have, I have a place where you can find all that you need in life, and it's found in Jesus Christ. But are we, are we, are we receiving it? Are we moving into it? Listen, as we said, as he said this, in verse 16, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Now listen, now think about this. He says, verse 16, and who was it who rebelled against God? 
And even though they heard his voice, wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? Now think about God. He's saying, God, because these people were not willing to listen, he's using them as an example to say, stand firm. Don't move away from your faith. Stay there with God. Don't, don't allow sin to enter in and miss out on the blessings of God and blessings, the things that God has for you. He's saying to these, these people, remember Moses led these people, and they, they, they didn't make it because of their hearts were not totally sold out to God. He said, these are the ones. And in verse 17, and who got... Who made God angry for 40 years? Think about it. God was angry for 40 years. Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses laid in the wilderness? These are the, now think, I, I said this when we were talking about a few, weeks, uh, a few weeks ago. I mentioned this. You realize that out of the millions of people that came out of Egypt, came out of bondage, there was only two that made it into the promised land. And that was Joshua and Caleb of that generation. A whole other generation was raised up, and they're the ones that went into the promised land. Why did they not go into the promised land? Because they didn't stand firm. They didn't hold on to the truth. They weren't obedient to God. They, they, they compromised. They allowed their hearts to become hardened. And they, all they could think about is going back, going back, going back. And God said, don't look back. How many know you can't look back? Amen. I mean, we have to continue to move forward and keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he, then he says in verse 18, and to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? He said, they're, they're not going to enter my rest. But see, church, there is still a rest for the children of God. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. But so, so we see, he said, verse 19, so we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. These, these people in, in the book of Hebrews were in the same place about turning and walking away from God and allowing their hearts to become hardened against God. And they were getting ready. If they're not careful, they're going to miss out on that rest that God had for them. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them, stand firm. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your thoughts. Think you really contemplate about this Jesus who you're making the decision to follow. Don't say you're going to follow him and then turn away when something's wrong. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow him all the way. Don't allow your heart to, to deceive you and to lead you astray, but go with Christ with everything that you all have. And this, that's the whole message that in this third chapter where he is really uh, admonishing the, his readers, don't give up. This, yes, things are tough. Yes, there's persecution. Yes, there's hardship. But don't give up. Don't, don't give up and, and throw it all away and turn away from God. But keep your focus on God and allow God to lead you and direct you in all that he has for you. Church, it's so easy sometimes just to if it's our life is to say, close the book and say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I'm just going to do my own thing. And we leave God out of the picture. That's not what God desires. God wants us to stand firm to the very end. Amen? Stand firm until the end. And allow God to just bring his peace and his rest. And we're going to talk about that next week, talking about that rest that God has for every child of God that we can walk in, we can live in, we can enjoy. But to enter that rest, we have to keep our focus on Christ. 
When things go bad, it's, hard, it's easy sometimes to, to get our focus off, isn't it? But we've got to bring it back and keep our focus and stand firm. Hold steady, stand firm, and watch what God does as we just surrender ourselves over to Him. Father, thank You for this opportunity this morning. God, just to go through the Word of God and let's allow the Word to speak to us today, O oh God. God, that we would hold steady, O oh God. And Father, that we would stand firm, God, and not give up. God, it would be easy sometimes to just to give up and walk away. We think it seems easy, but God, it's so difficult. And God, there's so many things out there to trip people up, to cause them to fall away. God, and I just pray that people would just hear this today. God, and no matter what they're going through, God, they would make up their mind, make up in their spirit, God, I'm standing firm. I'm not giving up. I don't care what comes my way. My eyes are on Jesus. I've, I've thought about this. I've contemplated it. I'm sold. I'm Jesus. I'm for Jesus. And my life is His. And God, that we make that decision that we don't allow anyone to deter us from that decision. God, that we just go after you with all of our heart, with everything that's within us. God, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, oh God. Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. And God, I pray, God, right now for, this, for the people who's been listening today. Maybe there's somebody out there today that maybe one time you walked with God, but you've, you've allowed other things to happen. You've allowed different people who shouldn't have been speaking in your life to speak in your life. And now you're down a road that you never thought you'd ever go down again. I want to tell you something this morning. God's grace is so huge that he'll reach down that road and he'll draw you back. And he'll forgive you and he'll restore you. And if you're, if you're that person, just call out to God right now. Say, God, I need you. God, I've wandered so far away from you. God, would you bring me back? Bring me back to you, O oh God, that I would stand firm, O oh God, that I, I would not be willing to, to throw it all away. Father, but I would look to you God, the one who, who endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. <clears throat> Father, that joy that was set before him was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saw ahead, saw that we needed redemption. And that's the trophy. That's what he saw. He saw the redemption of man. God being brought in. And I thank you, God, that we can look to you today and find salvation, find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If you're listening by online today and maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you simply in a simple prayer. And the Word of God says, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we shall be saved. And I want to pray this morning. If you want to accept Christ, would you just pray this with me, just a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I am lost and I'm filled, my life is filled with sin. And I realize I need you today. I need a Savior. And I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. Jesus, take my life. It's yours. I give myself to you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I receive him now into my life. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. 
If you made that commitment to Christ this morning, would you do us a favor? Drop us a line on, on the internet or, or at, online and so we can let you know, give you some information, let you know more about your decision and help you to walk out your life for Christ. So please let us know if you made that decision this morning. 